The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pod the Chat Talking Dance. It is, <laughs> I'm recording this on May 7th. You will be listening to it starting on May 8th, and I am about to enter my ninth week of quarantine. <laughs> I think I'm on like day 55. I don't even know anymore. I've stopped counting, but. Uh, it's funny. I've been here for so long and, uh, I've, I've forgotten certain things like time. And one piece of time that I didn't mention in the last episode was that that was my fourth anniversary episode. So I think it was like the 16th of April back in 2016 that we officially released pot of chat talking dance on the premier dance network with six episodes almost immediately. Um, it's crazy to think that it's now been four years. And I mean, how many episodes are we on? I can look at iTunes, 142 episodes. That's nuts. I started at first, I was releasing epi- like an episode every week. And I was also blogging every other week at that, that point too. So I was pushing out a lot of content. Um, and over the past couple of years, I decided that it was better if I reduced my episodes to every two weeks. Uh, it keeps content more fresh. So I hope that you guys have been enjoying this. And for those of you that have been with me along this entire journey, thank you for staying with me. You guys are my my core supporters, and I'm so appreciative of that. And if you are a newer listener, I hope that you really enjoy what I've been creating and I, I strongly urge you to go back and listen to previous episodes because there is just a wealth of content on there. Um, as usual, you can find it on iTunes. But for some reason, I need to figure out iTunes. They they stop listing certain episodes after like a hundred. Um, so if you haven't listened to like my first forty two episodes, you can go to the Premier Dance Network. Uh, you can just go to premierdancenetwork.com um, and you can find my podcast there cool so yay fourth anniversary next year is gonna be my fifth anniversary that's just nuts that's that's a long time to be talking to yourself on your phone and then letting other people listen to you have a conversation with yourself it's funny how i'm i i know i've heard from a lot of people like i am thinking about you when i'm talking uh so i'm having a conversation with the idea of you but in reality i'm just here talking to myself <laughs> that's just reality as it is. But yeah, so that's very exciting. Um, what do I have going on? So 
Uh, coming up, I am, this is actually going to be happening on this summit, this coming Saturday. So it's the 9th of May. I'm teaching a ballet class on Facebook live for Emerald Ballet Academy and also Emerald Ballet Theater. They're uh, both interrelated. Um, I am supposed to go out there in August and teach at their summer intensive. This is in Bellevue, Washington, right across, uh, the, I believe the lake, is it Lake Washington? Um, Bellevue is right across from Seattle. So, um, I'm really hoping that I get to go back out, but they've asked me to teach two classes. Uh, one is on their Facebook page currently that I taught last Saturday. And then this one will again be there. Um, I'm going to do it on Facebook live, but then they'll leave it up. So if you're wanting to try to take my class, you can head on over to their, their social media. So I'll be doing that. I'm also teaching a contemporary, ballet. It's like a ballet class with some contemporary ballet choreography afterwards at the Rise uh, Virtual Convention. And you can find them on Instagram, the Rise Convention. It's a new convention. I'm doing that on the 16th. It's another Saturday. So I'll be doing like a ballet bar and then we'll do some choreography afterwards. And uh, the cool thing with that is uh, that we're actually going to be donating some proceeds from that virtual convention towards Feeding America. So um, if you need more information about that, you can check out their Instagram or you can uh, reach out to me and I'll, I'll let you know what's happening with that. Also, I've been invited by a brand new training platform uh, called Training Points. Um, and I'll be teaching at their, they're doing a virtual summer intensive and those details will be coming out soon, but I'm really excited to be, to be joining this platform. It's a state of the art technology platform that has found a way around the lag and technical issues of zoom. So, um, I will be sharing more details about that in the future, but I'm excited to be, uh, asked to be brought on to something very cool and new like this. So I'll be giving more information about that. Um, and lastly, I'm also talking to Broadway Dance Center about teaching some online classes for their new virtual open classes. So just pay attention to my social media and I will be posting information about that there. Those will probably be, probably be ballet classes, but I haven't determined yet if they'll be basic level, beginner level, advanced beginner, intermediate level classes. Uh, so stay tuned. But yeah, uh, these, I'm just really glad that these opportunities are popping up because I've already had most of my work canceled through the end of July. Um, so it seems like the beginning of the month, two months in advance is when all that happens. So I just really have my fingers crossed that maybe I can still go out to Seattle, the Seattle area and uh, San Antonio. I'm also supposed to be heading down there. So I guess we will have to sit and wait, but I would rather everybody be safe and healthy than... Uh, be causing any issues. And I know that a lot of people are going to be afraid of me as a New Yorker um, when I visit. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping that we'll be able to move past that. New York is doing really well at flattening the curve and uh, reducing uh, infection rates. That's the word I was looking for, reducing infection rates while a lot of the, the rest of the country is actually going up. So fingers crossed on that one. I will keep you updated with that. Um, but yeah, other than that, those classes I've been writing a lot, uh, I've, I think one, two, three, four, I've had four articles go out for Dance Magazine, Dance Teacher Magazine, and the Dance Business Weekly, which are all interrelated with dance media publications. Um, and then I also wrote a, a piece for Apollo Performance 
footwear, uh, great socks that I talked about last week. And then I also did one for my homeschool that I was raised at as a child. Um, I actually just had a huge article go up for Dance Magazine talking about offering content online for free versus a fee. Um, this has been a huge question on my mind uh, over, since all of this has started because I've it's I've been baffled that there are so many offerings that have been going up for free. Like almost immediately companies started offering performance footage for free. Um, teachers started offering live stream classes for free. And I was like, why are artists doing this? Like I just really didn't understand it because um, we are some of the most underpaid people in the country. If you think of like a football team and like the top uh, sports people, how many millions of dollars they get paid a year and then how dancers work year round i don't want to necessarily compare like how hard they're working but like eight hours a day practically year round performing anywhere from a dozen to like hundreds of shows a year um and our celebrated artists and the top paid dancers in our country get paid like between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a year it's just not comparable and then same when you go to different levels like teachers and uh directors like some of the best paid directors in the country make between like two hundred fifty thousand and five hundred thousand dollars a year i think barely anybody gets five hundred thousand um when you have these football coaches making like millions and millions a year so anyway just to like look at the comparison of like that <laughs> it just really baffled me that so many companies and artists were like here everybody's having going through a hard time so why don't we offer you this for free even though we can't make money and our companies might fold and uh, a lot of us can't apply for unemployment and <laughs> all of that i was just baffled so um that i really had a question why that was that was happening so i reached out to my editor at dance magazine and i pitched a story and they, they bit and I, I was just really happy that I did that because I was really intrigued by the responses uh, that I got and it really opened up my mind as to why it is okay in some cases to offer free content. Um, for instance, if a company is presenting some footage of a performance online and they ask for money for it, then they're going to have to pay everybody involved, including the orchestra, maybe even scene design, costume design, things like that. So uh it keeps the companies visible and um, if you ask for donations then they can that can help to keep certain aspects of companies going um, but if they asked for a fee it really could be cross cost prohibitive um, but yeah so if you want to learn more about what I learned you should head over to dancemagazine.com and check that article out um, it was called what did we call it it was it's not up right now but um, essentially, it was uh, fee versus. I think it was fee versus free. You can you can look for that article at dancemagazine.com. Um, the implications of charging it was something like that. I don't remember the exact title, but you'll you'll be able to find that the implications of sharing content online. Um, and I interviewed the artistic director of Pacific Northwest Ballet, Peter Bold, the artistic director of Samuel and Ballet, Celia Fischiel, the creative brand producer and licensing manager for Ballet Austin, Paul Michael Bloodgood, the president of Selby Artist Management, Margaret Selby, Tyler Peck from New York City Ballet, and Denise Casting Clark from Tap Dance Detroit. So, yeah, check that out. Um, 
All right, so today's topic, since uh, so many people are talking about how the dance world is evolving into a new era with virtual classes, I thought that I would share a little bit of what I've been learning about this burgeoning area of the dance training field today. Um, I know I just used the word burgeoning, but in reality, this is something that's been around for pretty much as long as Skype has been around and FaceTime, um, though it just hasn't really been accessed as much because it's, it is truly, in my opinion, kind of a secondary uh, tool for training. I wouldn't consider it a primary tool because there's nothing better than being in the studio and actually get getting to have physical corrections. But uh, in the age, in today's age of uh, coronavirus, that's going to also change until uh, things are resolved with either vaccines or herd immunity or miracles. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the last one's going to happen, but who knows? Um, but yeah, so I actually started teaching virtual private lessons and coaching back in 2016. Um, so for me, I've been involved in this for quite some time and so have a few others. My friends, uh, Lauren Fadley Vayette, she's a principal soul with Miami city ballet and, uh, Francis Fayette, who used to be a principal with Pennsylvania ballet. And now he's teaching, uh, down in the Miami city ballet school. They, uh, they started a virtual training program a couple of years ago. And I think that it was kind of like a like something that they did for just some side income. Um, and, but luckily it was already established, um, when everything started to shut down so they could really like push forth with that. I've also seen, I think it's called Cly or it's CLI studios. Um, and that seems to be run by like, so you think you can dance people. Um, and that like major convention, those major convention circuit teachers. So um, those have been around for quite a while, but like I said, they've all been sort of like secondary uh, practices. It's much better to fly an instructor out to a studio um, and work with them directly or to travel to that teacher and to work in the studio. Um, but that's not always the case. And say that a school wanted to do a master class, they could hire uh, a teacher to teach a master class through that platform. Um, but yeah, so this stuff, it's not brand new. It's just more relevant now. Um, I think that that's important to note. Uh, so yeah, I started doing lessons virtually back in 2016. I had gone out to Alaska to run my own winter intensive, something that I used to do after I directed Alaska Dance Theater. Um, and during that like 10 day period that I was out there, one of the local schools hired me to create six contemporary solos for Youth America Grand Prix. They were, they, I don't know if it was their first year competing or if they, their second or third year competing, but they, they found out that I was coming and that I had done some contemporary solos in the past and they, they invited me to, into their studios to do that. So those were exhausting weeks. I think I taught like from, nine o'clock in the morning until 3 p.m. And then I did solos from like four until 9 p.m. Um, yeah, I'm crazy. That's how I do things. But yeah, so what ended up happening was while I was out there, I choreographed all the solos and then um, we held virtual private lessons here and there leading up to the competition just so that I could check in on their solos and give them some pointers and cues um, to make sure that they were on track. Um, and then after that, I did some private lessons with one of my students while she was at Ballet Met's year-round program. I had created some solos for her um, for auditions and like video auditions and things like that. So we did a few then. Um, so I, I, was, I felt lucky that I had that, those... Uh, I had that, those tools 
the understanding of how that worked when the country shut down because I didn't really feel like I was figuring things out as they were happening. I already was pretty up to date on how to give feedback and corrections. Honestly, the only thing that I wasn't really aware of was I, I, I don't remember if I had heard of it before, but I had never heard of the platform Zoom. Um, if I did, it was very, it was like maybe a commercial that went by and I never really thought of it beyond that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really know much about Zoom and I, it took me actually, I think the first time I used Zoom was like a month ago. So I didn't like jump on the Zoom bandwagon. I remember when everything was shutting down, everybody was like, have you tried Zoom? We're doing Zoom. We're doing Zoom. I, I, I was like, whatever, I'm doing my own thing. Um, so yeah, I, I was pretty up to date and for that reason, um, and I've mentioned this briefly, but I'm going to talk about it in more depth right now here. Um, I started doing YouTube videos. Um, so yeah, the, the reason that I, I chose to do YouTube videos is because I was actually way more comfortable with that. Um, one thing with Zoom that I heard right away was that people were having issues with, uh, being able to correct students' musicality and how frustrating that was. Um, also for me, I like the idea that I have a lot more control in YouTube who sees my product. If I want it to be visible to the public, I can post as public and anybody can view it. If I have a link, um, that I want to do, sorry, if if I, if I want to make the video unlisted, it gives me a link so that only the people that want or that, that I want to give access to can actually access the videos. And then if I just want to shut it down, I can turn the video to private and nobody can view it except for me. So I like that. And I have interacted a lot on YouTube in the past. Um, so I, I felt pretty comfortable with that. Also, uh, actually, let me, before I move on, um, the things that I've done in the past on YouTube, uh, it started off, I was just like editing my own choreography reels on my B Corollas channel. I have my B Corollas channel. I have my movement headquarters channel, my B Corollas channel. At first I used that channel to promote myself when I was performing as a freelancer. Um, and it worked really well. I, I edited a reel, I think it was in 2013 and between the blogs that I were writing and that reel, I would send that out as my essential, essentially an audition po- package to get work. And I didn't audition practically the entire time that I was freelancing because of that. So I, I learned how to edit on uh, initially iMovie on uh, my Mac. And then over time, I was able to get Final Cut Pro. I'll get to that in a second. Um, so I, I knew how to edit for YouTube instead of just like recording myself and putting an unedited uh, file into their system. So um, that's why YouTube made made sense for me. So I understood how to edit. And then also I did a project called Choreography. Um, and you can go back to that channel and you can see that there. I actually worked with Lauren Fadley in Choreography as well as a dancer named AJ Abrams and another dance. He is an LA-based artist. And then also uh, Shira Lanyi, who was a dancer with Richmond Ballet. Um, and so that's how I got, a, I got a really nice camera, Canon 70D. And I also got Final Cut Pro when I did that choreography project. Um, I got a grant through Career Transitions for Dancers to get that equipment. Um, so I already had all the equipment ready for, for filming. Um, and then preparing and loading the choreography interviews. Essentially, it was a dancer being interviewed about a topic, and then we created choreography inspired by the interview. Um, and if you go and look at those those videos, you'll see how I sort of like melded those together. Um, 
I learned really well how to edit and then also um, how to use the my camera for talking versus dancing. Um, and then also as a part of like certain campaigns for that, I started talking to the camera. So, um, that, that all really helped me. And I, again, inspired me to go to YouTube. Um, and then lastly, like company footage and, um, doing asks, uh, that's how I, pretty much knew how to talk to a camera um I mean I guess funny thing uh eh, I'm gonna get onto this later I'll talk about that later we'll get back to it but yeah so um what I did was I I set up a camera on a tripod and I started filming myself um pretty much teaching class and I, I think that ballet is probably the most accessible um virtual digital class to teach because um it's very infrequently at this point i know that there are people that do have access to a dance studio but um for people who are taking classes in their home um one of the hardest things is just like making sure that they're not kicking things and hurting themselves or breaking items in their house so ballet is the easiest because you're spending a lot of time at bar um so if you don't have a lot of space you can actually double up on combinations or you can uh like like perform the combination twice so you can add releves um different things like that there's a lot more ability to condition the body in ballet where i think in more modern and contemporary classes you're already starting and centered um and it's harder to contain choreography into a smaller space. Where for ballet, like bar is essentially created for you to do in a very small space. Um, so yeah, that's how I, I I started preparing for my videos. I, I sh essentially showed ballet combinations in order at bar. And I, what I would do is uh, I would talk about the combination and then I would do, I would show the combination. Um, and I would edit like titles and transitions in so that it was all uh, done seamlessly. But I, in my actual videos, I don't offer corrections during the combination. I do the combination. I offer the correction ideas before so that dancers know what to think about. But it's different when you can't see uh, dancers in real time. So I, I prefer to actually do it. I've seen some teachers where they show the combination and then while the music is playing in the background, they sort of like show it with their hands. But for me, it's also nice because it keeps me in shape. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to learn more about exactly how I went about creating my YouTube videos, I actually shared on dance teacher magazines, online content, how I did that in like in very very thorough detail so um you can head on over to dance teacher and find that article pretty much just search for my name um and it should show up um and then yeah so with my youtube videos i actually decided to uh, sell them essentially not i mean technically i'm not selling them um but i did it for, for donation um i i knew that and this is going back to the article i was talking about before like i knew that there were people that had been laid off and had no money to afford to take class and i don't want to take away that opportunity from them also um 
I knew that some people really appreciated what I was doing. And um, I, at the time, was getting no benefits and I didn't know if I was going to get any unemployment benefits. Um, and it took a long time for me to actually get any of those benefits. It's now May 7th. I think I got my first unemployment benefit the last week of April. And then I got my first pandemic unemployment like a week ago. Um, I just got my uh, stimulus check two days ago. So um People giving donations really helped keep food on my table. Um, I had enough money in my bank account to cover my bills, but as it depleted, like I was afraid to buy food. Um, so yeah, I asked for donations. And the great thing about asking for donations is nobody's required to give you a donation. They can just ask for the video. Um, but at the same time, some people are really generous and they'll give you a lot more than the video's worth. So I asked for a $12 donation for videos. Um, and most people were extremely generous in, in doing that. So, um, I ended up doing this point, I've done three basic ballet home bar and conditioning videos, two intermediate advanced ones, um, one basic contemporary home warm up and one intermediate advanced contemporary home warm up. Um, and I've put them up as unlisted videos and, uh, people reach out to me and they donate through Venmo at Barry dash Carolus. Uh, and then I send the links to them there. And the only thing that I do is I just ask that they don't, um, post them publicly online because it has been a savior for me during this time. And especially like taking into consideration, like I know right now I am getting my unemployment benefits, but when those stop happening and even say like if Broadway Dance Center opens up and I have to go back and teach, um, like I've said in the past, we get paid per head and I don't think anybody's going to actually want to come to the studio. So, um, and with all the work in the future that's being canceled that I was supposed to do, I, I think that I'm going to be having income problems for not just the foreseeable future, but like well, well into the future until this time has passed. Um, but yeah, so that's my experience teaching on YouTube. Um, so let's talk about Zoom. So like I said, I didn't really seek out Zoom classes. I wasn't like, I'm going to Zoom. I didn't want to learn about it. I was like, it'll happen. And when it happens, I'll just figure out as it goes. Um, so my friends, Lindsay Deck and Carell Cruz, they are a married couple. Lindsay is still a principal at Pacific Northwest Ballet. Carell was a principal and now he teaches at Oklahoma University. Um, Lindsay just had a baby, her second kid. Congratulations, guys. And um, she's been in Oklahoma uh, on maternity leave with Carell. And so they they started procuring a group of students as things shut down from Oklahoma University. I think a couple of dancers were from Joffrey Academy in Chicago and also from Next Generation down in Tampa. Um, they they had a group of dancers, or they still do, um, that they've been offering classes to. And they had reached out to me. Um, they had reached out to me to see if I could teach some contemporary classes. So I, I finally got to work with, uh, with Zoom when I did that. I taught like four classes for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was definitely an interesting experience. It was different to, um, go from teaching on YouTube where I was pre-recording the class. If something went wrong, I could just do it again and edit it out. Um, in zoom, it's like teaching live in front of a, like, like in a regular classroom where you have to be prepared for the content. And if something goes wrong, you just have to be like, whoops, I messed up. Let's start over. Um, so yeah, uh, 
it was definitely different. It, you, I mean, the one thing that was really nice is that like when I record the YouTube videos, I have to like prep the class, record the class, something goes wrong, I have to start over and then I have to edit it and then I have to upload it. With the Zoom class, it's nice because you teach the class and it's over. Um, it's not like hours and hours and hours of preparation um, in order to get things going. But yeah, so with Zoom, it's it's more like regular teaching. Um, again, considering space constraints, ballet is much easier to teach. It was very challenging teaching contemporary class on on zoom um because it really limits the actual content that i can give um i've been working for years developing right now i have a three-year syllabus for teaching contemporary dance to classically trained dancers um a lot of the combinations i couldn't give this was an intermediate advanced group most of them are like burgeoning on professional careers so i had to uh really restrict what I was teaching um, in order to fit into smaller spaces. Um, So virtually it might be different when people are allowed back into their studios. Um, But for now, yeah, that was definitely a challenge. Ballet is much easier to teach um, in a Zoom setting than uh, contemporary. Um, But yeah, so one thing that was different with Zoom is that you can actually give corrections in real time. Um, I found that I was actually performing the combinations a lot on Zoom because in a contemporary class, a lot of these dancers don't know this vocabulary. So I have to be showing it so that they can sort of like follow along. In a ballet class, most of them are well-versed, so I can just show the combination and then just watch. Um, But here I had to do it with them. But then what we would do is then I would have them do some of the combinations again afterwards so that I could actually watch them and correct them. yeah, it was really, really like bad to watch the musicality, but I wasn't really annoyed because I had read from so many other of my peers that were teaching Zoom classes how frustrating it was. So I already went into it knowing that was going to be an issue. It didn't frustrate me. It was just one of those things that I had to let go. Um, that's one thing that I've been reminding myself during this time. Um, for me, honestly, and this is going to sound horrible, but I think that every teacher needs to accept the reality that right now in this crazy time, it's not our job to make our dancers like ridiculously better. I, I don't expect to have that track of like getting better, getting better, getting better, getting better, especially because a lot of dancers are dancing on carpet or like linoleum floor in small spaces. I see it as my job as an educator right now to help my dancers maintain what they have, to maintain their strength, to maintain their flexibility, to maintain their technique so that when we get in the studio, then we can continue to push and that there won't be injuries as dancers try to like regain their strength. Um, now is not the time to move forward. Like uh, Governor Cuomo has been saying, it's time to pause. So I've essentially taken the the thought process of pausing the growth and maintaining the technique. Um so yeah, um, that's really what I focus on the classes, doing more repetition, making sure that uh, there's valuable learning and uh, that's not just physical learning, but also emotional learning because it's very it's a very emotional time for many of us. Um, being stuck at home, being scared, um, readjusting our expectations. Um, people are like as, as humanity, like as, as a human species, and it's been interesting watching people talk 
uh, in the news and just like generally on the topic of COVID-19 and pausing our entire country, um, humans are used to growth. Like as children, we don't have any choice but to grow. Um, and then like if you look at cities, if a city's like skyline isn't getting taller and if the gross domestic prod- product uh, GDP, is that gross domestic product? Um, if like our finances are getting bigger and bigger and bigger like if your bank account's not getting bigger if you're not climbing up the ladder of your career like you almost feel like you're nothing um we are we survive and thrive as as a species on growth and to tell the whole world for a couple months that you can't grow it's it's very emotionally hard so for me like i've been trying to convey to people that Everybody is not growing right now, and that's okay. Really, it's just about maintaining so that you're not going backwards and that when we are allowed to grow again uh, safely, that you can. So yeah, um, that's really how I've been focusing on these classes. But um, in Zoom, so when in Zoom, you actually can see your students even though it's on a small screen. So if you have bad eyes, it can be challenging. Um, give up on trying to correct their musicality. Um, I'll be really curious with this program that I'm, I'm going to be joining the training point program, how they've been able to fix that. I'm excited to be able to correct musicality again. Um, Mostly the corrections that I give, like you you have to learn how to be able to give cues for self-correcting. Like a good way of explaining this is um, if you go into Retouray, I sometimes will tell students to take their hand and push down on their knee um, and push up against that so that the leg doesn't drop. And that's a great way to give a correction if maybe somebody's uh, retore is looking droopy or dropping. Um, or to say in your solo coup de pied, make sure that you can feel your big toe wrapping behind the Achilles tendon of your standing leg. Um, you have to actually really be able to give these cues in a way like that. You can't just be like, feel your tune out opening like you actually have to say take your finger touch your glute if your glute is relaxed like jiggly then it's not engaged and you're not going to be able to maintain your turnout but if you poke your glute and it feels like if like your bicep is squeezed tight like that tension um, then you're going to be able to maintain your turnout you have to find ways to verbalize that and for most of us you're probably not going to be able to do that in real time sometimes you get like those moments where you go wow it happened but i i would i would say it's like any student preparing to take a class you have to think of the corrections that you've had before as a teacher you have to think about the corrections that you're going to give and you have to make sure that you're very very good at verbalizing corrections because even once we get into the studio, you're going to have to verbalize your corrections. I am a hands-on teacher. I think it's very necessary to put your hands on students to correct them in a physical art form. But for the the unforeseeable future, we're going to only be giving verbal corrections. So start practicing now and make sure that you have a handful of options to offer your students um, in order to get them to be able to self-correct essentially without you actually putting your hands on them and touching them. Um, another thing, like I said, so teaching classes, like a ballet class, it's pretty much like you're giving technique classes that are structured off of like the history of ballet. Um, if you're doing a jazz class or a musical theater class or a contemporary class or a tap class, choreography is uh, going to be much more challenging. Um, and you definitely have to be more creative. Um, so just keeping in mind like that you have to be able to stay on the screen. <laughs> Not only do you have, the dancers have to be able to dance it in their space, but you also have to be able to show the choreography staying on the screen. 
um, often what I'll do is I'll say, I'll give options. Like if you have space, you're going to keep on traveling across, but if you don't have space, then you can sort of shift back and sort of like, I'll do combinations where I'm sliding across the floor. Um, and then I'll sort of be like step back, step back and then slide across the floor, step back, step back. So I'm pretty much going back to where I was. Um, yeah. So yeah, zoom classes are, are interesting. It's, it's different, uh, teaching virtually in real time. Um, I, I felt lucky to have that experience teaching on Skype and, uh, FaceTime in the past. It, it really gave me the tools to be able to do that with zoom. Uh, really, honestly, the only difference is the musicality is there's that lag. Um, and also there are multiple windows open at different times. Um, one thing that is important to know is if you're going to do zoom, you need to set it up so that you can have people, some like an advocate, whether it's you or somebody else, Start the class time 15 minutes earlier, but don't actually teach the class until the 15 minutes are up because everybody needs to sign on. Then you need to mute everybody that's not going to be talking and then explain to everybody if they want, if they need to interact, how to unmute themselves. Um, that's one thing that I've learned. Everybody that's doing it correctly with Zoom, they are having an advocate um, sign everybody on before the actual class is going to start. It's very important. All right. Um... What did I want to say? So yeah, um, I've already talked about teaching on YouTube. I've talked about on Zoom. Let's talk about Facebook Live and Instagram Live. So yeah, um, Facebook Live and Instagram Live, yeah, it's it's pretty much like teaching on YouTube and Zoom put together. Um, it's like teaching on YouTube because you're going to be talking to an audience that isn't going to be able to respond. Um, and it's like teaching on Zoom because it's happening live and in real time. Um, the only difference is Facebook, you can save it to your page permanently where Instagram Live is only going to be available for up to 24 hours and you actually have to put on both of these, like keep it, like post it to your profile page. Instagram, it ends up going to your story. So if people want to access it, they have to click on your profile picture. Facebook, it'll actually leave as a post on your page. Um, but yeah, for Facebook live and Instagram live, you are teaching class in real time. So if you make a flub, you can't stop, go back and edit it. Um, you really have to make a decision between doing the combination, uh, versus showing the combination. The reason that I prefer to do the combo is because it's better than having a dead visual with music playing. Um, and honestly, as a teacher, I know that anybody who has taught a class virtually or in like real life before, um, there are times where your classes go so slow and even though you're teaching an hour to an hour and a half class, you feel like it's been like five hours. And then there are also those classes where it goes by really fast and you're like, damn, that felt like 20 minutes. Um, if you actually dance in the class, it makes it much, it makes it go much faster than showing the combination and then like showing it with your arms. Um, I, there's nothing against people showing it with their, their hands and arms. Um, we're all in a different place physically. I'm lucky that I'm young enough and still in shape enough that I can mostly show it full out. Um, one thing I have done is if I really can't do a combination full out because something's hurting me or I'm just not strong enough or in the right emotional place to do it, I'll do a lesser version of it. Um, but while I'm doing it, I'll explain like, this is actually how you should be doing it. Um, and essentially in those classes where it's like one facing, it's like looking at a, a two-way mirror <laughs> where you like one person can see you, but you can't see them. Um, I essentially self-correct throughout the classes. So while I'm doing things, if I'm correcting myself doing something, instead of just like self-correcting in my mind, I'll actually talk out loud 
to the class. I mean, I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking out loud to the class, like I'm self-correcting them. But what I'm doing is I'm just going through my checklist of things that I'm correcting on myself as I'm dancing and assuming that those are the same issues that will come up with dancers while they're watching, watching my videos. Um, for me, the biggest challenge with these live classes, the Facebook Live, the Instagram Live, and even with the Zoom classes is just uh, my breath control because you're doing the combination, which means that you're like exhausting yourself and you're uh, getting a cardio workout, which makes you breathe faster. And then trying to talk through it at the same time is really hard. So a lot of times when I'm teaching these classes, I, pretty, I, I sound pretty crazy um, because I'll be talking really fast trying to convey information showing the combinations and then like during the combination or after when i'm talking uh, they're showing the next combination i'm like well you tell you here and you go there so yeah breath control is really one of the hardest things but it also really teaches you how to breathe because otherwise you're just going to pass out um so yeah, it's been really fascinating watching the world embrace uh, virtual teaching. Um, I, I'm I'm glad it's happening because I this is something I've been doing and I for for a few years and I think that it might actually allow me to work more but not have to travel so much. But at the same time, it's kind of disappointing because. Um, this, like this summer, I was supposed to fly out to Sitka, Alaska. Um, I was supposed to go to Iowa back in, in May. Um, I was supposed to, um, I'm supposed to go, like I said, to Seattle, the Seattle area, Spokane, San Antonio. And I'm just afraid that uh, with the option to do these virtual classes that I won't have the opportunity to visit as many places. Um, live and I've always loved getting to like go to new cities, see different cultures, get to know students in person. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but I mean, for the time being, this is very necessary and I wouldn't be teaching if it weren't for it. So it's like, I'm appreciative of it, but I hope that it isn't when, when things get uh, back to where we can travel again, um, that it doesn't completely replace or even majority replace. I hope that's just, it continues as a supplement. Um, but yeah, so that's my experience teaching virtual classes on different platforms, um, how I teach, um, and all of that. If you have any questions, please do feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to share, um, personal information that I've learned about, uh, how to teach these classes. Again, if you do want access to the unlisted classes that I've done on YouTube, um, please do reach out to me on Facebook. You can direct message me on Instagram, B Corollas. You can uh, send me, uh, uh, you can DM me um, or you can go through one of my websites and you can contact me that way and I'll I'll do that in my outro. Um, and a reminder, if you want to give donations for that, also, I'm, I'm on Venmo at Barry, B-A-R-R-Y dash Corolls, K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. And that will keep me going throughout the times that we are living in. So, uh, yeah, if you want to gain access to those videos, I've gotten some really great feedback on them. Uh, or if you want to learn more about them, you can always go to Dance Teacher um, or the Dance Business Weekly to see the articles that I wrote about that. All right. So I hope that this has given you some great information and that it's gotten your mind off of things. I know that some places in the country are starting to open up. So if you're doing that, please be smart and safe. Uh, I don't really think it should be happening, but 
you know, to each their own. Make sure that you are, uh, if you do choose to go out, make sure that you are taking care of yourself and don't jeopardize people that are still trying to stay away from this thing. I'm asthmatic. I don't want it. I, I want to stay away from it. Who knows? Maybe I did have it. I, I actually uh, heard on the news that they think that it could have been on the West Coast from China back in November and December. And I was in San Francisco and I got really sick after I got back from San Francisco in November. So fingers crossed I already had it and I have the antibodies, but who knows? Okay. I'm not going to keep on going on guys because um, that topic could go on forever. So let's seal this fourth anniversary episode now. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also learn about my company at www.movementhqballet.org. You can reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements or virtual classes. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Rolls, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I blogged on Life of a Freelance Dancer for five years. You can find that at lifeoffreelancedancer.blogspot.com. And I talked about working as a freelance artist traveling around the country and an independent contractor. Uh, I also have Dancing Offstage. You can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And I spoke about the post-performance careers of professional dancers there. I also have two YouTube channels. You can go to B Corollis, uh, and that features my choreography. Or you can head on over to Movement Headquarters page to learn more about Movement Headquarters. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene. <laughs>